So it's super important that we understand who God wants us to be with in the future because if we don't, he's picking up the broken pieces of our hearts. So in high school, I always joke and say James lets me preach this teaching or teach this teaching because I did a really, really, really bad job of picking who to date in high school. I was in my freshman year of high school and I was in PE class and I met this boy and what I heard initially him tell me was, I go to church, I go to youth group, I volunteer at church, and I lead worship. And I was like, he loves Jesus. He's going to be a great guy. He wasn't. <laughs> it was bad. It was really bad. Um, he lied to me about himself. He lied to me about things he was doing. He lied to my parents. Big no-no. Um, he told me lies about myself that were not true, completely ripped apart my identity in my own brain. He was mentally and emotionally really abusive to me. He cheated on me with some of my best friends. And it was really, really hard to walk through. And I had to do that picking up the pieces of my broken heart thing, which is not fun. So tonight we're going to learn how to not do that. <laughs> So first, before we go into who to date and who the Bible tells us who to date, we're going to walk through a few problems with our culture. So problem number one is they view dating as a phase to sit in. We do not want to view dating as a phase to sit in, but a process to work through. A lot of times we get into a dating relationship and go, okay, I'm going to date this person until... It's socially acceptable to get married to them, right? So if I'm in high school, I'm going to date them until we're out of high school or until we're out of college or until two years or whatever seems socially acceptable. We want to go into a dating relationship with the mindset of I will date you until I can see you walk through specific situations, interact with specific people, and see how you handle things. I didn't want to marry James until I could see how he treated his mom, until I could see how he treated his sisters, until I could see how rea he reacted in a moment where his car was having problems, and he was gonna have to spend money he didn't realize he was gonna have to spend, or in the stress of holiday chaos. Those are all things you, want, you would potentially want to see in a person, how they react, because if they don't react well, it's not a person you wanna be with. Number two is we tend to look for characteristics over character. We look at features or qualities of a person, which is not bad, but it's a super, super bad foundation to start a relationship on. We try to put the weight of a re relationship and eventually the weight of an entire marriage on characteristics of a person. By characteristics, I mean like we go, one day, I want to marry a boy or a girl that has long hair, and they're really attractive, but not, not like super obsessed with their looks, and like they have money, but they don't act like they have money, and so on and so forth. We want to focus on character. Um, we tend to, if we don't focus on character, we tend to describe a fictitious person, and we assemble this person. 
when we do that, it leads us only to disappointment because that fictitious person that you're building, if you say, I want a girl who is tall with blonde hair, blue eyes, a D1 athlete, and a piano player, we're never going to get that because D1 athletes are like never piano players. Those things just don't go together. So fictitious person, they don't exist, right? We want to look at character. So something that I read shortly after I got out of my high school relationship led me to write this down in one of my journals. I said, if you want a man of discipline, then be a woman of discipline. If you want a man who is slow to anger and quick to forgive, then be a person who is slow to anger and quick to forgive. If you want a man that loves Christ zealously, then be that kind of woman. If you want a person with an abundance of love, grace, respect, kindness, and generosity, then have all of those things. Because if a man has these desirable traits, then he will look for the same in a woman. We often describe this person we want to marry. And we do, sometimes we do a really good job describing them. But we very often do not want to put in the work to be the perfect person, right? Because if we have this person that has, or if we are a person with quality traits, we're going to look for the same in a spouse. Or if a, a person has really quality traits, they're going to look for the same in a spouse. So I want to be the kind of person deserving of that. Number three of problems, and then we're going to get into who to actually date. We focus on looks or beauty. The Bible says that beauty is fleeting or vain. It doesn't last. We cannot base a marriage off of something that won't last. It's not a bad thing. You should be physically attracted to someone, but it's a really bad thing to start with, okay? You also do not want to marry someone for that stuff because... Or, or you don't want someone who's going to marry you for that stuff. Because what happens when you get old and smelly? They're not going to like you very much. What happens if you get sick or hurt and your face gets mangled or burned? Are they going to like you? You want someone who's going to look at you and not walk up to you and say, I cannot bear the sight of you. You want someone that's going to say, That'll do, because I fell in love with your character, not what you look like. About three years ago, my grandpa died of dementia. And he had dementia for about six years before he passed away. But the really weird thing about dementia is it doesn't just impact your brain. It impacts, like, your sight, like, your depth perception and the way you speak. And it also impacts your looks, which is super weird. So in about the span of like six months, my grandpa went from, he was 68 years old, looking like a 68-year-old to looking like a 90-year-old in a wheelchair, not able to talk. My grandma loved him so, so well because she was able to say, I fell in love with you and your character and who you are, not what you look like. Because if she fell in love with what he looks like, she would have left him the second he got dementia. And he would have been alone and died alone, wondering where his wife was. You don't want that. You want a relationship that is going to endure through looks. Okay. Now, here are five things that we can look for 
and who to date. The first three are non-negotiable, okay? They have to happen. Number one, let me grab a sip of water. They have to be a believer in Jesus. Here's where we're going to do 2 Corinthians 6.14. Look at your Bible. It says, do not be unequally yoked with the believers for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness and what fellowship has light with darkness. James has talked about being about a yoke and being unequally yoked before. So I'm not going to get too deep into it. But as a reminder, this was a farming tool. A yoke was. It was something you hooked up to two animals um, to get them to do their job and to go forward. You do not want to yoke up a donkey with a bull because a bull is so much stronger than a donkey. They're not going to get their job done. They're going to keep going in circles. Or a strong bull with a sick bull because the strong bull is going to end up dragging the other bull behind them and not get their job done. Who you think runs the universe will determine your values and where you go. You do, you do not want your alignment to not be with that. You want someone that's going to be in alignment with you. You're going to have differences in your marriage, but you don't want your, your alignment with the Savior to be one of them. James and I have differences all the time, like who's going to wash the dishes? Who's going to do the laundry and on what day? And bigger issues than that, like what are we going to do with our finances? How, who, how are we going to raise our kids? But at least we both are in alignment with Christ, and we can say, okay, we don't know what we're going to do, but this is what the Bible says, right? If we didn't both have Christ, and I was going in the direction of Jesus, and James going in the direction of who knows what, we wouldn't be able to make any decisions or get anything done, and I certainly wouldn't be able to live the way Jesus calls me to. Number two is a pursuer of God. Being a believer in Jesus and a pursuer are very, very, very different things, okay? If someone comes up to you and says they're Christian, that means nothing. If you meet someone at church, it means nothing. You need someone who's going to exemplify Christ and who looks like Christ. My ex-boyfriend from high school said he loved Jesus. He said he went to church. He said he went to youth group. He said he led worship. And he did all of those things. But he did not act like it. Okay? You can say you love Jesus all day long. But if you are not acting like it and living your life for Christ, that person is not worth your time. Okay? You should expect a man to have, girls, you should expect a man to have an acted active relationship with God. This is in Psalm 1. If I can go there super quick. Psalm 1, 1 through, C, 1 through 3 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, um, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his, his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaves do not wither and all that he does prospers. You want a man that is going to say, there are ways of doing things in this world. I will not do them. 
there are ways of speaking about and to people, I will not take heart. I will focus on what God says, and I will walk in his ways and meditate on his word. Now, girl, or boys, you want a girl like Proverbs 31, 25 through 30 says. I'm not going to read it for you, but you can write it down and read it later. This woman is a blessing to your family. That's the kind of woman that you want. Number three is someone that will keep the same pace as you. It is one thing to have a Jesus believer and you're going the same direction. But you also need to be at the same maturity level. When I was in high school, I'd have boys come up to me all the time. They say, I love Jesus. And that was great because they actually did sometimes, most of the time. But I would have to sit there and explain basic biblical principles to them. And I just wasn't there. I was more mature than that. So I didn't want to spend my time and waste my time explaining these basic things to someone. I want someone at the same maturity level. Because if I don't have someone at the same maturity level than me, we can't push each other. We should be able to teach each other. I should be able to teach James things that he doesn't know, and he teaches me things I don't know. But if James is so much more advanced than me, or vice versa, he's not being challenged, and he's just dragging me along, right? That's not helpful, and that's not beneficial in our walk with Christ. Okay. Here's where we get into some things you can bend on, because they're not like black and white set in stone. Number four, are you theologically compatible? No one has perfect theology. We all have very different theology, right? So you should be asking questions like, where do you go to church and what kind of church do you want to go to? How do you think that grace works? Do you think that we need to work our way into heaven? Or do you view salvation as a free gift? Because what someone, how someone answers those questions is going to determine whether I agree with them theologically. There are things called salvation issues and non-salvation issues. Salvation issues are Jesus died for me and he's the only way in heaven. Non-salvation issues are like if you believe that the gifts of the spirit are alive and active today or not. Or how exactly you tithe. Those are not salvation issues. So if I disagree with anyone on them, it's okay. We're both going to heaven. But you want to be in alignment with the person you're going to date on as many of these things as possible. Because there are going to be issues in your marriage and, and in your relationship. James and I, when we started dating, we agreed on a lot of things. And the things we didn't agree on, at least we were able to listen to each other. And if we figured out one of us was wrong, that was okay. And we would adjust if we were wrong. So you need to find out if you agree on most things. And if you don't, you should at least be willing to listen. And so should you. 